0: Emergency services across the state, whether it's fire or EMS rescue are struggling, we're losing funding, we're losing personnel, training standards are increasing and and there's high demands. People have multiple jobs just to make ends meet. The volunteerism is is waning in many areas. Now, Now there are some areas in the state that are very strong and I commend those areas, but in many areas in my area, there's area for concern. One of the things that I looked at is it's the municipality's requirement to provide emergency services in in some way. And how do we make that better? So you have to have that dialogue. It's more than just traditionally emergency services organizations would come to a municipality once a year at budget time and give them their ask. And there was no communication. we're going to give you a bunch of money. We're going to contribute to you. And we don't want to hear from you for the next year, until the next year. That's not the right way to do it. I think we have to have that open communication, that open dialogue. And your elected officials, that municipality really needs to set those expectations. What are our expectations for emergency services? Whether it's personnel, the command staff, the type of training, or how long it actually takes a fire engine to get to somebody's house. We, we should, it, it dictates maybe a strong word, but we have to set some parameters out there as a local government. So the emergency services organization has goals mm-hmm. to achieve. And I think that's one of the important things. And there's some emergency services organizations out there that receive zero funding, zero help from the municipality. There's a lot of things, municipalities can do to help the local organizations. It might be lending their finance department to help them prepare a budget. Helping them budgets and understanding budgets. It could be, if you have a public works department, maybe you allow public works to participate with the local volunteer organization to supplement the volunteers during the day while others are away working. There's a lot of things it's just about being creative and that creativity doesn't work if you don't have communications on both sides.
1: In this interview, Ken Batten allows me to tap into my curiosity about how emergency services intersect with municipal services and what role municipal managers play in supporting public safety. First and foremost, when it comes to getting emergency service agencies to work together, he emphasizes that it is important to not rely on any one model, but to find a model that works for your municipality. He shares an engaging approach that helps achieve this in his own. Ken was the Director of Codes and Life Safety at East Whiteland Township in Pennsylvania for many years, which included the building and fire codes and the fire department. He is now the Manager at London Grove Township in Chester County, Pennsylvania. This interview is part of an early series of interviews we did inside the pioneering change community in 2021, before I began this podcast. We talk about his vision of emergency services, which I find unique. It has opened my eyes to how central public safety is to the role of local government. We dive right in on this exact topic. So here we go. it's something that you do well and have an understanding that, that others uh, perhaps just haven't, you know, thought about as much as you, so... I am wondering if you could talk a little bit about your vision and your philosophy about emergency services and how they might integrate with local government services.
0: Sure, absolutely. Emergency services across the state, whether it's fire or EMS, rescue, are struggling. We're losing funding. We're losing personnel. Training standards are increasing. And there's high demands. People have multiple jobs just to make ends meet. The volunteerism is is waning in many areas. Now, now there are some areas in the state that are very strong and I commend those areas, but in many areas in my area, there's area for concern. One of the things that I looked at is it's the municipality's requirement to provide emergency services in, in some way. And how do we make that better? So you have to have that dialogue. It's more than just traditionally emergency services organizations would come to a municipality once a year at budget time and give them their ask. And there was no communication. because we're going to give you a bunch of money. We're going to contribute to you. And we don't want to hear from you for the next year until the next year. That's not the right way to do it. I think we have to have that open communication, that open dialogue and Your elected officials, that municipality really needs to set those expectations. What are our expectations for emergency services, whether it's personnel, the command staff, the type of training, or how long it actually takes a fire engine to get to somebody's house. We, we should, it dictates maybe a strong word, but we have to set some parameters out there as a local government. So the emergency services organization as goals Mm -hmm. to achieve. And I think that's one of the important things. And there's some emergency services organizations out there that receive zero funding, zero help from the municipalities. There's a lot of things municipalities can do to help the local organizations. It might be lending their finance department to help them prepare a budget. Helping them with budgets and understanding budgets. It could be, if you have a public works department. Maybe you allow Public Works to participate with the local volunteer organization to supplement the volunteers during the day while others are away working. There's a lot of things. It's just about being creative and that creativity doesn't work if you don't have communications on both sides.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking about the municipalities that really don't have a Ken Batten. And what is it that they can do? Where's their next best place to go to begin that coordination?
0: I, I would say if they don't have anybody in house, they should seek help from a neighboring jurisdiction that maybe has that where they can ask questions. Because I, until you actually get good dialogue, there's going to be some resistance from the local emergency response agency. Mm. For, for many years, the local emergency response agency was their own little island. And now somebody's coming in and wants to ask questions about their island. And you have to be leery on that, and you have to do it in the right way. Uh, otherwise, you're going to create divide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the local officials, those elected officials, need to have strong data, need to have uh, strong talking points, so they can talk the talk. That's really what it comes down to. And then from there, once they start that communication, they can decide where they want to go from there.
1: Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, if I did not work with local governments, I don't think I would understand the importance of funding, local emergency services. And it wasn't until you see it in action. And I had a fire, we've had a couple of fires in this neighborhood until you see really what happens when there's a major fire, you can, it's hard to appreciate just how much coordination is, takes place. And I also, I think that it's uh, from the standpoint of the residents. It's not always clear. We don't always, maybe we take it for granted. And I don't know what that piece in the PR. I see outreach just through asks for some help, which I'm sure I know people in the community are are pretty good about that. But from a local government standpoint, it seems like there could be just a little bit more. In some cases, there might be ways that they can really help just communicating so that residents understand how emergency services is supported. And if it's not through their tax dollars, they may say, we'd like it supported more through our tax dollars or something along that line. I don't know whether you've seen that work, something work better in communities in terms of getting the word out to help residents understand.
0: Well, getting the word out is always a challenge for for municipalities and, and even fire companies as well, or, or the little emergency response agencies. There's certain things you can do if your municipality has a newsletter, include your local uh, emergency responders in that newsletter, or always put in there, Hey, we need volunteers or funding drive is starting those types of things that are out there. We have that, we have to bridge that communication barrier and we have to find ways of doing that. Maybe it's on the website, maybe it's at the monthly board meetings that now the local response agency has a place, whether it's a monthly report or something like that, if you don't get that attention, that face time, you're lost. And that's one of the things that I learned many years ago in local government. If those elected officials didn't see your face, didn't hear from you, you were just in a corner someplace doing your job. But if you want to move forward, you've got to get your face in front of them. You've got to talk to them. And and you need to create that understanding.
1: Mm -hmm. And this is personal to you. This is something that is, uh, as I am, you've been uh, close to all of your life from your family. And I think there is a feeling that, that once it's in your blood, you remain sort of part of that family. I don't know if you could say a little bit more about that and how that might impact going forward in terms of recruitment or getting more people to be interested, but can you talk about just that community aspect of emergency services?
0: Sure, and and I think that's actually one of the bonds between local government and emergency services because if you look at an elected official, most of them are doing it for their passion for their community as well. They're trying to make their community better. And that's what the emergency services personnel are doing. They're trying to help people. They're trying to make things better. We already share a common bond between the emergency services and local government. So you take that bond and there's your door for communication. Firefighters especially are passionate. Many firefighters are come from a long line in their family. You you trace your roots back just instead of. Ancestry.com. There's probably firefamilies.com out there where we can trace the heritage, but it's that passion. And we saw the uptick after the events of September 11th across the country. With volunteers coming in, many of those stayed, many of those were just couldn't handle, but those that are in the emergency services and made it to that five, seven year mark in it are, are probably there to stay. Sometimes they go away to support their families and usually they come back or they're someplace in the, in the background assisting. And that might be with advertising or something where they can help finance paperwork, those types of things.
1: Mm -hmm. I had my eyes opened in a couple of years. I was asked to do a, a compensation survey for emergency services agencies around mostly central Pennsylvania. And what I learned is just how much certification, and the skills that are required for that work, and the pay, which is really low, yeah, in comparison to other market positions of relative requirements and uh, skill, and I and a lack of benefits because a lot there wasn't a lot of full time positions. Do we do a better job of building up those independent agencies, or do we begin to do some cross-pollination with local government to provide more full-time positions? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but certainly pay is an issue for keeping people in those.
0: And 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 actually, that's one of the topics that our board of supervisors are, are talking about now with our local uh, emergency response agencies. We... Last year, we had two independent agencies that our start community. And, and was that fiscally responsible? It's been like that forever. So our board thought long and hard and beginning in January of this year, we went to a single source. It was more effective, better communication and accountability. Yeah, Was some of the topics that our board considered but by doing that one of the things they said to the response agency that that didn't get the contract this year was we need to start thinking about regionalization cut cost what can we do to help the emergency services organization we don't want to get rid of anybody but how do we make it better and the board's looking at regionalized approach can we instead of two agencies hiring people can we do a single source to hire people and go through that the hr the overhead that, that's out there would it be better to have one agency doing it than two side by side? So that's the kind of approach that I think we need to start looking at. We we need to go out of that fiefdom thought that we have and more of a cooperative approach. Maybe
1: I love that. And I just want to extend that. Another question that I thought about and I mentioned to you talking to today is just the relationship to to law enforcement. So you've got state police that are working with you. And and I don't know how you coordinate those two areas. If you could say a word about that and whether you think there's ways that uh, are particularly good practices when it comes to relating the law enforcement with your other emergency services.
0: Sure. You're right. We are covered by the state police, which is a challenge upon itself. But this is where I'm going to say one thing that I always hated sitting in those classes. This is one of those topics that, that local, local organization has to find what works best for them. There are many different models out there, but it really, you need to find what works best for you. One of the things that we did in our community, and several years ago, I started an emergency services committee. So with that emergency services committee, we brought the fire firefighters in, we brought the ambulance personnel, we brought paramedics in our attachment fire marshal was in this committee along with the state police and the state police did participate in the committee. And we had local residents that were part of that committee and we sat around and we talked about the first was, okay, we're getting to know everybody. So we're putting faces to the names and, and the more that you do that, it's that reliability instead of seeing a Nancy Hess on the internet, I'm putting a face and a voice to that. And, and we we have that connection. So when there is an emergency, that connection is already formed. We're not forming it out on the emergency scene. So that was one of the benefits. Hmm. From there we started, what are the problems that we're all having? The, the fire companies may say the police are coming promptly to our accidents. And then the police are actually in the room saying. The reason we're not coming is because I have three cars working, a 250 square mile area and they're out on domestics or something like that. So there are reasons and we get everybody in the same room. We talk about the problems. And then once we have the problems outlined, what can we do to make things better? And that's where the dialogue needs to happen. And that's what worked for us. And we brought the codes into it and that was really helpful. We, we're now helping the local fire companies doing pre-planning with the GIS. We're doing um, mapping for that. So there's things that, the capabilities, I guess you would say, you get to learn what everybody's capabilities are. State police, for instance, the state police did a training day at our local fire company for breaching locks, learning how to breach locks. So our firefighters did the training for the state police, which was a good thing. And we've done some other community outreach from that. So one of the things that, we had a couple of things spawn out of that. One, the fire companies come to the table and say, Hey, the local loans, we're having a problem with automatic fire alarms. What can we do to help? It? And the fire marshal goes, takes care of the problem. So we, we can limit those abusive calls. On the same token, if we have on the EMS side of things, a lot of times, the slip and falls or somebody fell out of bed and they just need assistance to get back in bed. We go and talk to them. What can we do to make things better? Can we help you with getting a ramp to your house? Or what is your needs? Or you look at their house and they have carpeting in areas that they shouldn't have carpeting that's creating the slip and fall problem. And we look at it that way. We took the focus several years ago of community risk reduction. And that's where we brought everybody uh, into the same room and, and looked at that. What can we do if we see drownings in swimming pools? Can we get that message out? Where are the problems? By putting everybody in the same room, we were able to see that and and hear that. And everybody was able to be on the same page. So that's what worked for us. There are some other models out there that are, are similar to that. I'm pretty partial to ours because it works. You certainly can do whatever you want just to. To, to get that, we meet monthly, mm-hmm. and then went to quarterly. We had a couple things that spawned out of it. Another thing was safe schools, so we had a safe schools committee. We worked with our local school district with that. Good things happened, so that was a good thing.
1: Yeah, so I think the model is uh, must that first step must okay. It must be the same in that first.
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: Yeah, we're both in our offices here. (laughs) I I, uh, think that first step of just uh, engaging people, so there's that relationship that you talk about, and it sounds like you, you cultivate through your committee ongoing communication, which is just important to have an ongoing assessment of what needs need to be addressed. I also just, again, from my experience only... think about municipalities that tell me that, you know, they have a police department that they feel are not engaged enough with the community. And they'll point out ways in which the police are not responding to particular kinds of issues. They'll say this is not in my job description. And I think that would probably not happen in a municipality where there was an active ongoing dialogue about public safety to think about how all the different ways, the different services that are available within the community and how they might better work together so that there is more, I don't know, I would say, first of all, clarity in terms of role and who can do what. And then second, maybe a more cooperative spirit because it, in any given moment, who is able to respond, it comes to my mind. But that law enforcement piece is one that I think is tricky for a lot of municipalities. And I'm thinking to myself that they are There probably is a broader conversation about public safety that really needs to happen learning from you.
0: No, I I think you're absolutely right. And I think one of the things that you have to to really put in the back of your mind when you're looking at that, and you get it with the police department, it's the organizational culture. Every organization, whether it's the local fire department, local police department, the local EMS squad, they have their own little organizational culture. And a lot of times it's hard to be that it's hard for them to open that door to let you in. So you need to be able to identify that kind of work through that process and then also understand that it's there and you need to figure out how to, to, to lend that, to make it work and to use it to your benefit. A lot of times it's as simple as identifying the human capital in each one of the organizations. If you identify that go-to person or that person that has special skills, or there might be a police officer that also is a volunteer firefighter. And maybe that's the one you reach out to and say, hey, what do you think we can do to make things better?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to have more of this conversation with you another time because I have been thinking a lot just because I think there's a lot of issues raised around safety. And I really think you have such a great understanding of that, so. I hope we could talk more about that another time. And Absolutely. I, I want to just open the conversation up to uh, just challenges facing municipal managers in general, because I think oftentimes, again, people on the outside do not always see some of the challenges that are going on in the work you do. And I wondered whether there's a particular area of municipal management right now that you think about that's a particular challenge going forward.
0: I think that I think there's many challenges for us. It is COVID hit hit heart. hard. Yeah. We earned income tax, the revenues that we are expected were not coming in. We were lucky. We we diversified, if you will, because January first of last year we took over full management and responsibility of our golf course, which offset the income. So we were lucky that way, which which actually sent us down a different path for that diversification to make sure that COVID or any other situation that we're prepared for it. And that's been a challenge and it, and it will challenge municipalities. But as far as other things, I think before you look at what that challenge is, you have to identify. The type of management styles that are out there, our board of supervisors four years ago decided they wanted to have everything in-house, the codes department in-house instead of using a third party. Our municipal authority, instead of a separate municipal authority, they wanted operations to come to the township, the golf course operations to come to the township. And that's one of the mindsets. There's other mindsets out there with local municipalities that you you have your local beverage, your local administrative staff and you third party everything, mm. which is okay too. You have to define and decide where you're going. So I think that's the challenge that we're in now is where are we going? Where are we going from here? Because I, our municipality is not a status quo. It is that's keep moving forward, mm. whether it's gathering more open space for the community, gathering more parks for the community. Those types of things
1: that comes out a lot when you do, uh, like, whether it's a comprehensive plan that you're working on or something else, I hear this from other uh, managers, it comes up on the top of the list from residents. They like that quality, like space, (laughs) if they have decided to settle there. Now they, they don't want anyone else to settle. They want, they want the nice parks and the paths and that's, that's a tension that can be there that you have to kind of, yeah, be intentional to know what direction you want to go.
0: Exactly. And when we did that, we decided all of our committees from Parks and Rec Planning Commissions, even the Zoning and Hearing Board, Historical uh, Committee, we put them all in the same room. And uh, this was prior to COVID and we had a visioning meeting. Our board talked about their vision. Then we went to each one of the, the boards and committees and said, what's your vision? So everybody in that same room heard everybody else's and some of it evolved pretty quickly. Parks and Rec, they didn't have, I shouldn't say they didn't have much of a vision, but they were at that status quo place. And our board came back and said, you need to come up with a new comprehensive plan for the parks because we need to, our community wants more. And community members came back. We did a, a survey, community members said that they want a little bit more than passive recreation. They want different types of outlets for them to use. So we've incorporated that into some of the planning. I guess part of the problem is not knowing what the problem is Mm -hmm. and and knowing where you're going.
1: Yeah. I think others might be interested to know because this is something that, that I think municipalities and managers in particular are interested in helping their elected body go through a process like that. And sometimes I work with a a board to do strategic planning and I enjoy that work, but I'm very attracted to the idea that in-house, that there is a way to move through this process. And so I'm curious, I think others would be interested. In your case, was it that there was a, the board set the tone, like in other words, there's an invitation to dialogue about this visioning?
0: So one of the things that we did to try to make the process streamline, if you will. It took me more time, but in the end, I think the process went uh, quicker. So we worked with the board over several months and identified our core values, the needs, ideas, their beliefs, and, and really where they wanted. to. So we, we set their visioning first so they had an understanding of the process. And I think that was key. That they really needed to understand it. They weren't just sitting at a desk listening. They were part of it. That was one of one of the things from that. I went to each one of the committees and spoke to them about the process and said, here's what we're going to be doing. Here's the date. And I gave them an outline of what was happening. Gave them a quick overview on what our expectation was from them. You're going to do a two minute, a five minute presentation in front of everybody to get your, your wants, your needs, your values. And that's where we went. And from that, when everybody put their ideas out there, then it was the task of the board, the elected officials to balance it and prioritize it. Look at the trends and what are the issues? Because some of the issues really weren't issues. they were problems, but once we went to the next step, it was problems. Yeah, it was a fun process. It was a tedious process on my end.
1: Yeah, I wanted to say, how would you describe your role? Because I think that's an again, it's a key competency for managers to be able to develop. How would you describe your role? Well,
0: you know, I was, I was almost the rudder on a ship, trying to steer everybody in the right direction. The coordinator, the, the voice of the elected officials to all the other groups, and then at the end. I was the final coordinator, I took everybody's vision needs, put it on a sheet of paper so everybody could see it and then worked with the board to put that into a formal plan,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which was neat. You know, Parks and Rec, I think, got the most out of it, which was nice. So they have a new new logo and new visioning and it was almost a rebirth for them, which was good.
1: So, That's very cool. Yeah. and. If we could talk a little bit about more about the nature of change in municipal government today as a professional manager, things that you think need to be preserved, and then also things that you think are probably ripe for change going forward into the next
0: decade. I mentioned organizational culture, I think, earlier with the police department and some of those, but that's one of the things for municipalities, and at least what I'm doing, you know, is trying to change the culture of our group for community service. What can we do to help people out? I should never have a customer come to the window that can't get the help that they need, or at least feel like they didn't get that help. There's a lot of questions that can't be answered right there over the window, but that customer service is a really important aspect. And we need to take that out from even our public works crew. If they're out working along the road, putting signs in, paving, whatever they may be doing, they need to understand the customer service, which they did, but they didn't practice it. So language, loud music, those types of things that we need to be more cognizant of what they're doing. And that's been a challenge to do that. But it's working and it's working well. But I think that's one of the big challenges that you have. Is setting that organizational culture and setting your organization up to where you really want to go. If you want to exceed, you've got to have good people. And that brings us to our our next step, which our board is finally understanding succession planning and making sure that we have the right people in process, because when I go, they they don't want to go and do a, a big search again, they want to have people in place that can jump right in and you know, it doesn't change the course of where the township is going. I don't want to say that new blood isn't going to have an impact because I think it always does even when you have succession planning, but the board's vision of the future will stay. You might take a left turn or a right turn instead of going straight, but that's okay as long as where you're going, you know, you're know, you still going to the same place.
1: Mm-hmm. I I think about just when you talk about the culture and I do think going forward, whenever I, I talk to clients in new areas, it's fascinating to me the kinds of problems that they're the that they're encountering. The residents are bringing to them. I, I want to say maybe residents are are more vocal. Things like noise pollution. Suddenly, I don't. I don't know. I think in the older generation, maybe previous decades, we have not thought of local government as being responsible for addressing such things Uh, or, but now there's a, I think residents are more vocal and they're speaking about issues that extend beyond just the local government boundaries. For you, what you're talking about in that organization, I can imagine that there is a lot of like the problem solving is important. And the way you are suggesting, I think that the process of bringing people together is something that is going to be more important going forward, that people will understand how to engage as opposed to, it, it's just not going to work to say we can't fix that or right. you, you can't do that. You don't have that option really, at least without bad effect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People don't want to hear no. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. That, so we have to, you have to form that no into a proper sentence. So at least they understand it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I think, a really big challenge. Just It always has been there, but I I think it's getting even a greater challenge in terms of just the type of issues people are bringing forward. Would you agree on that?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are many challenges out there, and and especially in, in our community, we have people that are moving from outside the area. And, Mm -hmm. you know, don't understand what the area is like. And you hear a lot of those people like, in Philadelphia, it wasn't like this. Or in New Jersey or wherever they come from. It wasn't like this. Here's the way that it is. And this is why. It's (laughs) an educational experience.
1: Yeah, that's true. You are in that area where people are moving out from the city and more and more, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. That's also another discussion. It's a good one. I am wondering... If there's a project, and and this is my last question to you, if there's a project you're working on right now that really excites you and you might be able to share.
0: My job excites me. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) I, I think what we're doing that excites me and it's bringing all of our groups, our departments together is through GIS. And so we're using GIS to integrate Public works, our codes department, even our engineer with the MS4, our stormwater management and things like that. So we're about a year into it. We're probably about 85% on board. I've got the water and sewer folks that just came on in January that we'll be vetting them into it here soon. That's exciting when you see a municipality that had very little technology. Mm -hmm. to get to technology where the guys are out with their iPads now and and putting data in and handling complaints or our uh, building officials going out and doing his inspection on his iPad and emailing the inspection report why he's still out there to the builder. It's nice to see technology play into the role of local government with very little cost. That's one of my We've got to do it at very little cost because I can't impact on the budget. That was one of our challenges. And
1: who taught your public works guys to use that iPad? Was there?
0: Unfortunately, me. (laughs) So some of them had that. So we did identify, again, that's a human capital. Who were some of our, the guys, the gamers, the ones that understood that. And and unfortunately, I hate to say it, it's the younger group that's coming in that has that technology because I rely on my kids a lot. How do I make this work? And that's what we did. And
1: I, I think that's all good. Yeah. You know, and I think about passing the baton, uh, the succession planning, you have these older workers that have so much institutional knowledge, and then you have the younger workers coming in with the technology and you put those two together, if you can get those two to share. The so one's sharing what the younger ones need to know going forward so that they can retire. And the younger ones are helping them see use of that technology, which I'm sure is very exciting once the older workers, once they get it. It's, wow, all this stuff has been in our head. Here's, I think in some cases they can actually see a visualization of the oh, working on that.
0: Absolutely. And our board likes that too. We, our, our fire marshal is tracking, tracks all the fire and ambulance incidents and, and puts them on a map. And they're all color-coded and the board sees where the hot areas are, where the emergency responses are. They enjoy that. We can do a mapping. We have our trails. If the park and rec wants to know how many uh, miles of trails we have in the township, it's a, a quick click on the map and I can tell them we've got a total of 22 miles of trails and of that four are asphalt, five are concrete sidewalks and the rest are natural or whatever that number is it's just it's pretty simple and it's yeah it's interesting yeah
1: i think the applications are fascinating tom i'm very excited to to hear what you've been up to ken and i just thank you again for the time that you've taken today to share and uh, so we'll end it here and uh, we'll continue our conversation
0: okay thank you nancy Mm
1: -hmm. yeah